Welcome to the Endurance Horse Podcast, where endurance riders from all across the globe gather, sharing their stories, goals, and progress as they train for and compete in endurance events at every level. So kick off your shoes, pull up a chair, and listen as we gather around the virtual campfire and listen to friends from across the world. Hello, and welcome to episode 33 of Endurance Horse Podcast. In this episode, we're going to continue the conversations on rider health. And with me today is my husband, Jim. Hello. And he just had a scare with Lyme's disease. So how are you feeling, babe? Um, before that, I just want to let you guys know we got our little itty-bitty in here with us. So if you hear a bunch of thumping around and stuff like that, you'll know what that is. But I'm doing um, um, better. But Not everybody follows me on Facebook. Ah, well, Itty Bitty is our little kitten that's not so little no more. Six and we months. tried to do this without him here in the room with us, and he <laughs> sat outside the door crying so pitifully we had to let him in. So, And he's already stopped the recording one time, so hopefully he doesn't do it again. <laughs> yes, this could be a little extra added entertainment. Yep. So and thanks for joining me. I want to know how you're feeling, because when you got sick, I was like, everybody pray for Jim. So how's Jim doing? Better than I was before, but unfortunately, I ran out of my medication, and it took me a few days to get it renewed again, so the brain fog is back, the body aches are back, but mm-hmm. we're going in the right direction. Yeah, and and now are we going to have to pause our running, maybe? Well, no, um, I think we can still do the running. I'll just take it easy, and uh, we got barn chores to do, so i got good horse therapy coming up, so... <laughs> Oh, yeah, you enjoy those horses pretty close to as much as I do. Yeah, I just try not to let it on. Yeah, I know. You try to hide it, but tucking them in at night, you you totally get suckered into giving them peppermints just like I do. Absolutely. Yeah, they're so cute. So without... I was, oh, God, this is like a dangerous thing to ask you. <laughs> but hmm, I, I have the power... of delete so i'll go ahead and ask you but um you have been married to me for 27 years yep and you've made sure ow he's biting my foot you little monster bitty okay so (laughs) you've been married to me for 27 years and you made sure i had a horse every one of those years in fact for engagement gift you bought me the trail guide horse i had at swing and w that i fell in love with so thank you for that yep and you proposed on horseback yep so you kind of knew horses were a thing yes (laughs) (laughs) i knew horses were part of your life and uh i remember you telling me stories way back when of having to use a five gallon bucket to get onto a pony that comes up to my knees and (laughs) stuff so uh, yeah you were pretty much born on a horse and Horses are part of your life, and I'm going to make sure they continue to be part. And like I told you last night, even when you get to where you can't get on the back of a horse anymore, we'll start buying you those little ponies again. And you can't bring them into the house, but at Mm. least you'll still have something to groom and feed carrots (laughs) and peppermints to. Well, hopefully that's a long way away, but I'll hold you to it. And um, I'm going to order an Appaloosa ahead of time. Absolutely. Appaloosas are really... Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, like the back of your car has the don't worry. Happy, happy. Don't worry, be happy. Mm-hmm. And I am group. Real quick, before we jump into this episode, I was really surprised that 
when I was editing last night and I got to an hour and 20 minutes, I realized I still had like 13 more files, which is too much for even two episodes. It's awesome. It's awesome. So we may have to go for more. Yep. So I'm thinking, at first I was unsure. I thought maybe writer health wouldn't be something people wanted to listen to. Cat bit me again. So, um, but apparently it is. So I trust you to <laughs> answer this in a in a honest way. But you you've seen that over the years when we were fostering, we've fostered twenty three children, adopted three. Um, it was really hard sometimes with some of the behaviors we had to live with and um, the stresses. Um, taking kids to appointments to see their parents and their parents didn't show and uh, different things like that that were really difficult to deal with. And I just told somebody today, I don't think I would have made it through all of that without my ponies. Well, of course, God and you and my ponies, but can you attest to the fact that my ponies kind of kept me on track? Oh, they're your sanity. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And beyond that, I mean, having the horses, I think, helped immensely with a lot of the kids that have come through. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you just watch them, what they do with the horses. I remember the two little ones we had way back. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I see pictures of them every now and again still. And, and the way they just look at the horses and pet the horses and love on the horses, I, I think it's good for them, too. Yeah, I remember H and Bailey way back before there was um, a Harlan and a Bailey. There was, real quickly, I will just go into Bailey a little bit because Harlan brought her up last night. But friends of ours had given us a more app, which would have probably been perfect for endurance, but we weren't into endurance yet. And they were moving out of state and they just said, here, you know, keep her or sell her, but we got to move. So, they um, gave her to us, and I found this really old, lame, <laughs> gorgeous paint mare on on Dream a Horse or something. And, and I brought her home, and you were like, Chris, what did you do? You just traded the soundest horse ever for this crippled old horse. But I think I said, look, I need something that I can trust with the kiddos, and the other horse wasn't it. And yeah, I remember him being like two years old, climbing underneath her. By the time he was like four, he was picking her feet out. And there is a lot of beautiful moments that I remember from that. I seem to remember with his sister, she rode Ella and I rode along. But then just for the miles, you guys did a novice ride and you won first on Houdini. And I think she won third and she was I think eight years old. And she had the biggest smile. Yep, that horse did wonders for uh, for us and the kids. And, I mean, you said she was old when we got her, but we had her for a long time, and mm-hmm. she was so bulletproof. I mean, <laughs> any kid could, and which is funny because she had this, like, grumpy attitude, you know, and it's like she would not harm them. Mm. She was so careful and so beautiful. I think she treated them like foals almost. But yeah, I think she was 15 when we got her, and she was about 27 at the end. Yep. But she felt like one of those horses you felt like you had owned them your whole life. Yep, 
and uh, I'll remember her fondly for the rest of my life. Mm. So horses are special. Biddy is burying his water dish. I don't know why. Um, the dog's barking. We got to go let her in. And um, you guys just sit back and enjoy some stories about some awesome horses. Enjoy the episode. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Hello, this is Chris again, and I'm at the 1863 Cafe in Eagle, Wisconsin, talking with Ann Usher today. She's a Midwest endurance rider. And I'm going to ask you some of the standard questions I ask everybody, which is, how did you get into horses? Well, I started riding when I was seven. My mom started me in riding lessons with a woman named Peggy DuPont. I started riding on nasty little ponies that <laughs> drug me all over the place and dumped me in various places and <laughs> and that kind of thing. But it didn't definitely didn't deter my interest in riding. And then it has just stayed with me through my whole life. I've been very, very fortunate to have had a lot of varied experience in riding with instructors. How did you find endurance riding, or did it find you? I had an instructor when I was a kid uh, who, she just did all kinds of things with Mm -hmm. us. And it was at a place called the Chestnut Hill Creative Arts Center. Nice. This teacher, she was also my school teacher. Wow. Friday afternoons, I would go to the barn with her, we would have riding lessons. Mm -hmm. She would take a bunch of kids from the school, Mm -hmm. a bunch of girls from the school, and we would have riding lessons. And we did all kinds of things. Not only did we learn to ride in the ring, but we went through fields and woods. And that photo of me on my Facebook page, Mm -hmm. on my horse bareback, Mm -hmm. swimming, is when I was about 14 years old. Okay. And that was um, down through what we call the secret meadow mm. in in the pond wow. where we used to take the horses swimming. That sounds lovely. That sounds like a place I'd want to go ride. Would it be okay if I use that photo in my show notes? Sure. Yeah, so then people can check it out and see um, which horse were you with. I, at that time, um, that horse, he was an ex-barrel racer out of South Dakota. Hmm. He had been a camp horse, and his name was Christopher Robin. Oh. He was just a, like a grade quarter horse. And I rode English mm-hmm. and tried to make him into an English hunter, which he had no desire to be whatsoever. <laughs> My instructor, Gene Sangdahl, found out about competitive distance riding. Okay. And I was probably between the ages of 12 and 15. Was that in Wisconsin? No, that was in Connecticut where I grew up. She asked me if I would like to try doing this with her. She had a thoroughbred named Fiddlesticks. We (laughs) called him Sticky. And so we made it our mission to condition for the Kakaponset competitive trail ride, 25-mile competitive trail ride. And we conditioned all winter long 
throughout water company property. That mm-hmm. was the main trail system. <laughs> trail system was on water company property. Boy, did we ride through thick and thin. Oh, yeah. You had to cut your own trail? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we rode through swamps. We rode through just about anything that you mm-hmm. could imagine. Uh, so that was my first experience in mm-hmm. distance riding. And there were a ton of kids that signed up to do that ride. So what year was this? Oh, my gosh. This would have been back in the late 60s, early 70s. Yeah. Yeah. So Early 70s, probably. That's that's awesome because so many people find out about distance riding now and they act like it was just invented. But it's far from it, right? Right. Right. Very much so. So that that's the horse. Christopher Robin is the horse you did your first ride on? Right. And I had him all the way through high school. And when I had to go to college, I had to give him up. And I was without a horse for quite a long time. Hmm. Very long time. And I never thought that I would get back into it. And when did you? When... As an adult, my family and I moved here to Wisconsin for my husband to take a new job. He found out about a farm in Elkhorn. Mm -hmm. I needed to find a job, and I thought, well, I can do this. And it was a horse horse boarding facility, and I thought I could do this. Mm -hmm. And then through that, and my veterinarian and his wife, I got back into distance riding through the Elkhorn Vet Clinic, my wow. veterinarian. and Who was that vet? That was Dr. Phil Burns. Okay. He told me about the ride up at the Northern Kettle, and I went up there. And Do you remember which ride that was? Was it the Kettle uh, Classic? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. I met Dr. Wes Elford. Dr. Wes. Yep. Talked with him a little bit, mm-hmm. just went to observe the ride, talked with him mm-hmm. a little bit, and he just looked at me and he said, well, you could do this. Way to go, Dr. Wes. He probably yeah. doesn't even remember. Well, he might. I, he's going to have to listen sometime because he keeps getting mentioned on here. <laughs> <laughs> so he's going to have to go, what are they talking about? So, yeah, he is very encouraging. Yeah. So he said, you can do this, Anne, and then what did you do? I had a horse through my boarding Facility, the people weren't paying their board. Mm-hmm. I said, Look, you need to pay your board. And they said, Well, didn't you see in the paper that we're giving our horses up? What? Yeah. And I said, They had this one horse who I knew that was, he was part Arab. I said, You can give me tie for board. That's how I got back into distance. Was, was he a good boy? Was he he was good? he was a wonderful boy. It was almost as though he thanked me Aww. for taking him. He didn't last very long. He had poor hocks mm-hmm. due to poor nutrition. Mm-hmm. But while I did compete him, he really, really took care of me. Through good friends and mentors, I met through... Dr. Burns. I I got in contact with them, and I started riding with them. So the question I really like asking is, 
the second question. The first question was, how did you get into horses? And the second question was about endurance riding. So I guess it is the third question I like is, what is it about distance riding that keeps you going with it? Why did you not stop? I love to hear what it is about distance riding that makes you love it. Well, one, you can compete at all different levels. You can choose. It's the challenge of the trail, riding the stride and traveling. Oh, traveling is the best. Traveling the terrain with the horse. Mm -hmm. I always ride with intent. The trails around the kettle, I know like the back of my hand. For sure. Only you know your horse right and you only you know what you've done with your horse and it's a part of maturing as people get in the sport to not ride somebody else's ride it can be oh, totally easy to get sucked into riding somebody else's ride totally and, um i try really hard so you were here the other day on saturday at the cafe meetup and we had over 30 riders in attendance and so maybe if they're listening this would be a good point that maybe we forgot to make with them um we might have mentioned it you could get sucked along and very you much don't so. want to do that you want to stay and ride you want to ride your own ride even if you start after wait you know five minutes wait for the other horses to go out absolutely ride your own ride because only you know your horse absolutely mm-hmm. and it takes it takes a lot of courage. It does. We're going to make a transition here because I know you have to get going. The topic of this episode is rider health, and that was one of the reasons we got together, was you just faced a serious health scare, and now you're trying to get back in the saddle and get going. I met you at the Colorama ride this year. You were the timer, Mm -hmm. and you you were admiring Grace. (laughs) And I admire Grace all the time, so she's lovely. Thank you for noticing her. But could you share with everyone what this health challenge you're dealing with right now? In early 2019, I was diagnosed with a brain tumor. Mm -hmm. Thankfully, my daughters and my best friend just up the street caught what are called absent seizures, where I I didn't have a full-blown grand mal seizure. Mm-hmm. I would just sort of disappear mm-hmm. within conversation. My best friend and her husband are in the medical field. I scared, succeeded in scaring my daughters enough that they contacted Judy and Keith and said, look, we've got to get mom to the hospital because my kids were, they didn't know what was going on and their biggest fear was early onset Alzheimer's. Mm -hmm. And I think it was the uh, 24th of January. They did a, a CAT scan and an MRI. ER doctor came in and said in a very cheerful voice, well, guess what? You have that I had the best brain tumor that anybody could have, which uh, was non-cancerous. Okay. And it was between my skull and the brain casing, which is called the meningia. But there was pressure and fluid, and it still still affects your, your eyes. I think it's just, it takes a tremendous amount of patience 
to heal from any kind of an injury, much less a brain injury. So you had successful surgery? Very successful surgery. I will always have to be on seizure medication Mm -hmm. for the rest of my life. I didn't realize that my balance Mm -hmm. was going to be affected. Mm -hmm. And in recovery, one just notices little tiny things become great victories. Mm -hmm. For example, being able to stand up and put pants on or a shoe on without Mm -hmm. sitting down or Mm-hmm. leaning against something. Those are nice milestones that you're going the right way with your progress. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I found that I've, I've had to learn uh, to ride the trails a little bit differently. Yes, the sunlight does affect me. And all I knew was that the sunlight coming through the trees Mm -hmm. at 8 or 8.30 in the morning, the angle of the sun, Mm -hmm. made me feel like I was in a kaleidoscope. Okay. And Disorienting. Very disorienting. And it was through the good graces of my horse, Oliver, that he kept himself underneath me. Mm -hmm. And got me into camp. Um, Good job, Oliver. Right. Mm -hmm. Good job, Oliver. Hello, it's Sandy Sickles, Upper Midwest Endurance Rider and Green Bean, and we're talking about health and how horses, you know, helped me and to recover from some pretty bad health scares. Uh, First one I want to talk about was when I broke my back in 02. I was getting on my mare and she went to pitching and launched me and I did, I fractured three vertebrae. I did a compression fracture of L1 and two thoracic vertebrae and L1 actually broke apart. Um, When I was in the hospital, they were talking about having to have to do surgery, but by the grace of God, those bones flowed back together properly and I healed great. So no paralysis, nothing. I was, I was in great shape, but my surgeon said, he explained to me that I really needed to move it or I was going to lose it because when you break your back, whenever you have a break on your bone, you're going to be getting arthritis. And the more active I was going to be, the better it was for my back. And that has definitely proved true. So when I got the go ahead, I can't remember exactly how many weeks later to ride again. I go to my trainer and I said, um, well, we need to find a dead broke horse for me because I want to, I can get back on the horse. And he's like, well, we should get on your horse, Charlie. Well, Charlie is my youngster. I still had Charlie. And he was really quite bored when I was, you know, recovering from my broken back. So my trainer and I decided that we were going to start him very, very lightly under saddle because of his age. Um, And it was primarily lots of long lining and groundwork and stuff like that, introducing him to the saddle and lightly backing him. So Charlie was really green broke. Oh, and Charlie's a purebred Arab and his registered name is Shalimar. And I had Charlie since he was a weanling. So, um, you know, I'm pretty sure that it had a lot to do with the painkillers and the Vicodin 
and the Valium, I'm sorry, that I was on at the time, that I said, oh, okay, good idea. So I show up at the indoor arena with my trainer and he, you know, he works Charlie and everything and he, he walks him up to the mounting block and um, I'm all excited to get on him. Now, I've been riding since I was three and I have been horse crazy, I swear, since birth. So it absolutely shocked me that I went into a full-on panic attack as I was stepping up on that mounting block. Um, and for some reason, though, I mean, my limbs were trembling. I couldn't breathe, um, you know, the whole nine yards. I thought I was going to cry. I was trying hard not to cry, but I managed to plop into that saddle and Charlie lets out this big sigh, still not moving after, you know, I nearly attack him with throwing my body on his back. Um, to let me know he was going to take care of me. And Charlie's very, very special. So even though he's a baby, he's got a lot of sense about him. And he took brilliant care of me and just plodded around that arena like an ancient plow horse. And the entire time that I was healing and those muscles were starting to work again, because when you break your back and the, the, the structure of your back changes, your muscles are very angry. And so, you know, it took a lot of a lot of long, slow rides to build up my stomach muscles to hold my back and things like that. And Charlie just took excellent care of me. You know, crazy thing is, is I have a friend who had a very similar break. She fell off of a ladder at around the same time. And since then, she's already had to have three surgeries. But her lifestyle and my lifestyle are completely different. And I really, really attribute it to the riding that made it so that I healed beautifully. And I mean, I still get back spasms now and again, but I'm just doing great. So get on that horse because it's going to do your body good. Hi, everybody. It's Julie Valuk checking in from Mongolia. I'd like to talk today a little bit about endurance riding and health. Now, endurance riding provides obvious health benefits that I think we all know and recognize. I mean, obviously, there's lots of exercise, uh, lots of flexibility requirements, lots of mobility requirements, lots of fresh air. Um, it is an excellent way to be motivated to go to the gym or to work on the exercise ball or whatnot when you're not riding um, because it's pretty demanding sport. I ride in Mongolia. I ride about 30, I've ridden 30,000 kilometers since I started 10 years ago, so about 3,000 kilometers a year. I do the Gobi Gallop, which is um, an endurance charity ride of 700 kilometers in 10 days of riding that we do every year to raise money for my charity, which is Valu Foundation. So we raise money for the children, the Mongolian children who scavenge in the garbage dump to survive. And so far, by doing that, we've raised um, more than half a million dollars in seven years, which is pretty spectacular. And the Gobi Gallop is a huge inspiration for me to stay healthy um, and to stay fit. And so I think one of the things that happens in our life is fitness itself is difficult to stay motivated for. Riding, especially the long distances that I ride, uh, provides me with much more than just an opportunity for physical fitness. It provides me with an opportunity for mental health. So mental health is not something that everybody talks about when we talk about horseback riding. 
But if you think about some of the major movements that are happening in our time with respect to yoga or meditation, a lot of the same benefits can be garnered by going out for a ride. So one of the things that I would like to talk about is sort of how my mental health has been greatly impacted for the good by riding. I think most everybody's aware now of um, you know, the equine therapy programs that there are for a, a number of dis- different disciplines and PTSD treatment and whatnot. I want to talk just a little bit about how when you go out for a ride in the wilderness at the speed of the horse, you know, generally a walk or a trot, you're connected directly to the earth in a way that not many other things will give you. So when you're out horseback riding, the thing that I find is that it forces you into this great state that everybody is trying through meditation and whatnot to achieve of being present in the moment. Because if you're not present in the moment, as I've discovered the hard way, um, you're on the ground. So um, I think there's something that is inherently amazing about being out in the countryside, going for a long time and being separated from all of the stresses that we have in our normal life. Uh, There's no TV, there's no internet, there's no phone. Um, You know, you're just going along in the state that humans evolved. Like everywhere on the planet, pretty much, humans evolved with horses. And so we are proceeding across the land at the pace of our ancestors. And there's something very grounding about that. And like I said, being present in the moment, it provides a stillness for your mind, which helps a lot with dealing with all all manners of situations. So for myself, um, I first sat on a horse in 2011 when I was 50. And starting in... T- so in September 2011, I started riding. And starting in between January 2013 and February 2016, I lost both my parents and my son and my sister and my best friend and my cousin. So there was a period of time in there when I was learning to ride where the loss was pretty staggering. And going out on my horse in Mongolia was not just therapy, it was the only therapy. And I quite literally could feel the difference in my my well-being, physically and mentally, if I was able to get out and get away from uh, everything that was going on you know, in life and just be on the horse and be in the minute. And I think it's something that needs to be focused on a little bit in the world, that we are are creatures that need quiet time. We need time to think. We need time to process. And the modern world doesn't give us much of that. But all of you out there who ride endurance know exactly what I mean. Somewhere around mile 30 or 40, there's there's that, that time when you're trotting along and you just forget about every other thing. And you're just on the back of the horse. So in fact, this has been such a big part of my you know, progress and you know, overcoming all this grief and loss that I really wanted to create something pretty dramatic uh, to share this with people. So together with Sarah and Baggy from Horse Trek Mongolia, we have come up with a ride called the Blue Wolf Totem Ride, which is going to be 3,600 kilometers, 84 days across Mongolia in May 2021. It's going to be one of the biggest, longest rides ever. It's a charity ride, of course, to, <laughs> to benefit the kids. Um, and one of the things that I'm most looking forward to is watching people leave the modern world behind and find that place where life is just about the next footfall of your horse, 
where there's, there's the distance, sufficient distance and sufficient days that there will be time to process all of the things that we don't have time to process in our life. Um, one of the girls that I interviewed for the ride said that, you know, she thought this would be a metamorphosis for everybody, that everybody who went through this process, through this ride, not only were they going to see the most amazing things and experience the most amazing things, um, you know, historical and cultural and natural beauty of Mongolia that we're focusing on, but just simply to be on horseback and connected to the earth and connected to the heavens and connected to our history, human history, and separate from all of the technology for that period of time was going to be life-changing for people. And um, I, I agree with her. I think that's something that's going to be really, really astonishing for everybody in a, in a very different way from each other, I'm sure. It's one of the reasons I'm calling it hashtag butterfly ride. One of the things that I think is really sort of special about it is that this is how humanity evolved with the horse. And endurance riding gives you that time and that opportunity. That I mean, I can't, I can't speak to what it's like to go on riding in other disciplines because I haven't, I haven't really done it. Mostly just all riding in Mongolia. So, but to have an opportunity, I can speak from you know, personal experience, from the number of kilometers that I've put in, that there just is a tranquility that overcomes you. I can't recommend it highly enough. I think that pretty much, you know, you see these t-shirts advertised on the internet that say, whatever's the problem, just ride. I think that science now is proving that that's actually true, that there is this, um, this mental state of being present in the moment and being focused on what you're doing that frees up, you know, the rest of your states of being. So, so that's, that's sort of my take on mental health and and horseback riding, that the more you do it, you know, the better, the better it is, essentially. And I do realize how incredibly lucky I am that having come to horseback riding as late in life as I did, that I have the opportunities that I do. And I'm really looking forward to sharing not just the Gobi Gallop every year with people from around the world, but the Blue Wolf Totem Ride, 3,600 kilometers, going to be epic. Um, and I'd just like to say to all you guys out there who are listening that um, if you're not having a good day, just go for a ride. Your horse will help you. Talk to you later. Hello, this is Carrie Barris from the Southeast region. I have been on here before a couple times talking. Um, you may remember I'm one of the people who does ride and tie. So I was asked to talk a little bit about running and how that has helped my riding. And I come to... Um, endurance and horses uh, from a background in running and I well I actually started riding when I was six years old so I guess horses were first but I started running in high school and I dropped it for a while after I graduated from high school I got more into backpacking did a lot more of that but about 10 years ago I decided I wanted to get back into running uh, my sister convinced me to run a marathon in Death Valley, and I thought that sounded like a great idea. Uh, it was in February, so it wasn't super hot, but I spent um, probably about eight or nine months following a training plan, which I highly recommend if you have any running goals. There's tons of training plans online, and I followed one that was for like a beginner marathon just to, you know, get you through it, not like a time goal or anything like that, and that's what I did. I may or may not have cried for the last 
six miles. Uh, it was pouring rain and I was hypothermic. Um, and you don't think of that in Death Valley, but it was cold, at least chilly. And I was soaking wet and there was standing water on the road because everything was flooding. But anyway, I finished. Um, I went on to do another marathon a couple months later and had a much, much better time, you know, like actual time-wise and uh, emotionally. And from there, I kind of you know, did a few half marathons, but I I kept a running regimen. I have for about the last um, 10 years or so kept, you know, running about four times a week. And my mileage is not high. I don't run a ton of mileage, but I say that I'm always in shape to run a marathon pretty much at any point. So if someone asked me like, hey, you want to go run, you know, this marathon with me this weekend, I could do it. That makes it sound a lot easier than it is. It's really not that easy um, to get to that point. Running is a tough sport because yes, anyone, I feel like genuinely anyone can do it. Following like a run walk um, protocol, you can get into it. The first time I followed my training plan, I went out to run just like a couple of miles and I thought I was going to die after the first mile. But since then I discovered kind of run walking and, you know, I mostly run trails and just like our horses and endurance rides, I'm walking up a lot of hills, you know, I'm running down them, taking a lot of breaks. Um, so it's, it's taken me a long time to get to a point where I feel comfortable with that. And I think that's why running is a struggle for people because, you know, a lot of times people will start and they'll see a good payoff right away, but then it takes a while to get to a point where like, aerobically and like cardio wise, you feel really comfortable. You know, we say that you should be able to run at conversational pace often. So, you know, when I'm out running in the woods, I should be able to hold a conversation the whole time. I'm not pushing myself so hard that I can't talk. But, you know, for a lot of people starting out, they're having a rough time just breathing and trying to figure that all out. And they're like, I'm never going to get past this, but it, it just comes slowly. And I do highly recommend it for any riders. I mean, selfishly, because I want more people to do ride and tie, but also it really does help. You know, riding is, we all know, a very physical activity. You know, people always say, oh, you just sit there, but we all know that's not true. Anyone who's been on an endurance horse knows that's not true. We don't just sit there. And I will say I rode my first 75 mile endurance ride uh, this year. I got off several times, as I know many of us do, to hand walk the horse, usually downhill. My knees felt so much better after getting off and doing that. And just walking a little bit with my horse is, I think, really helpful for both of us. I think, you know, if I'm, if I'm in shape to run, then I'm more in shape to walk with my horse. I know a lot of people talk about actually going for runs with their horses, especially when they've got younger horses they're training. And so I, I think that's something that could be valuable too. It's a different kind of connection that you can gain with a horse. You know, I know people who have ran um, loops with their horses before when their horses, you know, might feel, you know, a little bit tired or off or something. And they're, you know, just trying to kind of get through. I've heard of people doing that, you know, or they're feeling tired, um, you know, in a hundred miler. When you get tired at night, it might be beneficial to get off and wake yourself up by walking or running. And, you know, Running is builds leg strength and hip strength and core strength. And those are all things we need with riding. It's great cross training. Riding is kind of my cross training because I have more time to run than ride. So I think both sports really 
you can really benefit both ways from those things. I mean, I can't talk enough about running, so if you ever want advice or more information, certainly you can chat with me anytime. And I also, you know, diet-wise and eating-wise, I am guilty always of doing races, whether it's a run. You know, I also ultra runs. So I run distances longer than marathons, and I am very guilty of not eating enough during races. Like, I have to eat meals almost during a race, kind of like we do in endurance sometimes. And if I'm not eating sandwiches or, you know, whatever else, chips, whatever, you know, protein and fat I can get in my system, um, avocado, you know, those kinds of things, I know I'm not going to do well, whether it's running or riding or ride and tie, I need fuel. You know, some runners rely on like gels and stuff like that, but I prefer real food. I'm also vegan, so that can be a little bit limiting as well, but I have a pretty fast metabolism from, you know, probably from running and just genetics to luck, but I have to eat kind of constantly. So, um, to keep myself fueled, you know, just like we're kind of, we want our horses eating, drinking, peeing and pooping. Um, we should be doing the same, same things, you know, and it's important that we're feeling the same, you know, I guess the same way we judge our horses, we judge ourselves. Um, so I have to continuously eat and drink and take in electrolytes and all that stuff too, no matter what kind of event I'm doing. And the last thing I kind of wanted to talk about, just, it was mentioned, you know, talking about mental health and how that relates to horses. And, um, you may remember me sharing, um, that I lost my husband suddenly to a heart attack a year and a half ago now. Um, and, Obviously, that was traumatic, and you know, I've had a lot of time to reflect on the things that have helped me get through. And a hundred percent running is been what I have relied on running and physical activity and being with horses, just having opportunities to go out and ride. I know about three weeks after Anthony passed away, a friend of mine asked me to ride a horse at um, Biltmore in an LD, and um. It was before I, I got my horse, Comet. And so I went out to Biltmore, and I just remember for that day, you know, riding the horse, I was focused on the horse. You know, how is he doing? How is he feeling? Um, should we go faster? Should we slow down? You know, what's, you know, we're going into the hold. What does he need? And so, you know, my own needs were secondary, and I was more focused on him. You know, I will say in the last year and a half, I've spent a lot of time with horses, you know, and endurance and ride and tie, just going out for rides and friends let me ride their horses, which is wonderful. Ride my own horse. Um, and just, I am so soothed by that being with these animals. They're wonderful creatures. And, you know, we all know that obviously, but I remember there was one night a few months ago, it was still warm out. I went out to um, visit Comet. And when I got to the farm, you know, I went outside with Courtney and Lee and, you know, we were standing out in the pasture with the horses. You know, there were four horses at the time and, you know, we're just standing there and Comet's standing next to me and the horses are all, you know, they're like, what are you guys doing here? Do you have treats? Um, and so we're all standing around talking and, you know, the horses are just standing there with us. And it was just such a wonderful, soothing, great moment. And, you know, I can't think of a better way to heal than through being with the horses and exercising with them and, you know, doing things that I love. So if anyone is struggling and, and needs some advice about how to deal with it, I don't know if I'm the person to ask, but I know that being around horses, even just being around them, not riding, has made things so much 
I guess, better or easier for me. So anyway, I will sign off now because I've been talking for a while. But um, again, feel free if you need some help with getting into running. I am certainly not a coach, but I can offer some advice if you would like. So, you know, feel free to reach out with, out to me, you know, over Facebook or whatever. And, you know, I hope to hear from you all, but happy trails in the meantime. Hi there, I'm Jose Flores from Endurance Mexico, and thank you for having me again at the Endurance Horse Podcast. Um, Christina suggested that I could talk about my experience getting fit for a 24-hour hour ride like Tevis, but I, I do want to warn you that I'm no expert, so please always consult any, your trainers and physicians before taking on, on any exercise regime. Let me go back and tell you about my triathlon background. Up to when I started training for Tevis, I had been practicing triathlon and ultramarathon running for several years, 10 years to be precise. I've completed two Ironman tri triathlons and about eight half Ironman distances, uh, about six marathons, four ultramarathons, where the longest was the 50 mile trail race. And I also did some open water swimming and well, I was pretty much in shape and used to do long competitions when I started my regime for Tevis. And you would think that your body's automatically ready to do something like this after all this training, but I learned the hard way that it's not the case. And let me give you an example. Back in 2013, I mostly stopped horse riding for a few months to prepare myself for an Ironman competition in Cozumel. I did have my Arabian Black Stallion Omran Halik. He did go undergo training with a professional because I did want to do a 40-mile endurance ride just two weeks after the Ironman triathlon. So he was getting trained. I wasn't, at least not on the saddle. But I thought, how hard can a 40-mile endurance ride be physically after conditioning my body for one of the toughest Ironman competitions out there? So little did I knew. I completed the Ironman with a 14 hour, 14 minute time, I was in pretty good shape. I'm not a fast triathlete. Very happy about the result. And two weeks later, I came to the endurance ride in, in Veracruz, Mexico, and did pretty well. I ended up in a second overall place. The stallion had got the best condition award and I enjoyed it, but I did come off the horse very, very sore, which I was not expecting that. My legs and, and my my lower back was killing me. So a few years later, when I signed myself up for Tibis, I thought I wasn't going to make the same mistake. I knew that riding for 24 hours would demand the best of me. So along with my triathlon trainer, I came up with what I thought had to be a three axis training regime. But the first one was aerobic conditioning. Number two was muscle strengthening in key areas. Third one would be spending as much time possible on the saddle. So aerobic condition can be whatever you choose to do. You can swim, run, bike, even power walking can do the trick. You just need to get that heart rate of yours for a while, some three times per week at least. Muscle strength, that would be your basic good old gym time, strength training and weights. But you wanna, in my opinion, you want to focus specifically on muscles that you use a lot while trail riding. And that would be your lower back, 
and also on the, on the shoulders and trapezius. Leg work is important, and if you strengthen your core, it's always a plus. Now, the third axis would be, like I said, to spend more time on the saddle, because and now because I live in the city and I don't have time to ride trails in the weekend, I mean in the weekdays, what I did is I signed myself up for general equitation and show jumping classes early mornings on the weekdays. Now this ended helping a lot more than I expected, to be honest, especially the general equitation and technique classes. So along with alternating my horses on the weekends where I could ride maybe three to four hours on Saturday and maybe two to three hours on Sundays, alternating the horses. I was, I was able to spend some, an hour and a half on the weekdays, which added up to some eight to 12 hours of riding per week. And another important point is be, uh, a few times I would go ride at night as per recommendation of other past Tevis riders I had spoken to. God thanked them for that. I never had thought about it. And now I can tell you, night riding is, in my opinion, by far the toughest thing about Tevis. So did all this work? Absolutely. I can honestly say that it, I was pleasantly surprised about how good I felt at the ride, uh, during it and afterward. I was expecting my body to ache so much when I got off the horse that last time at the Auburn Stadium. But I was especially very, very um, afraid of that period of time when you finish the ride and you go to sleep for a while before the award ceremony, which is around 1 p.m. So you, you get to sleep, I don't know, maybe three to four hours. And I really thought that I would wake up and had to crawl myself out of bed in pain. But it, was, it wasn't really the case. Sure, sure I was drained. I'm, I'm pretty sure every last drop of energy reserve in your whole body are burnt during those 24 hours. You feel beaten up for at least a week or so, but the muscle fatigue wasn't that bad. So I, I guess the strategy worked and I still think this is the general way to go for your regular endurance season preparation. I mean, the training volume ha- that I described was planned for, for Tevis, which is the ride of rides, but overall strategy can can work this way if you adjust the volume just for your regular endurance season. And speaking of general conditioning for the whole season, I would definitely add up stretching. Everybody benefits from having elastic muscles. Personally, I have been very focused on my IT bands. Uh, I stretch them very often and I think my, my knees have appreciated this a lot. I'm pretty sure that I'm pretty, pretty confident that you can avoid a lot of knee pain and problems by stretching thoroughly your IT bands. So you can go on YouTube and look up for stretching exercises for your IT bands. And uh, I'm pretty sure you, you'll thank me for that someday. Finally, let's, let's talk about a training area that not much people talk about. But in the end, I'm, I'm convinced that it is of the utmost importance, especially for a 24-hour ride. And that would be mental training. Tevis is a monster that devours your mind, absolutely devours your mind. It's not only the long hours, it's the loneliness, the darkness, also the uncertainty that you can be out of the ride at any moment and all your effort can go down the drain. It happens to at least 50% of the field. So you have to be able to control your mind. You have to be able to keep it sharp and focused and absolutely have to be able to have the longest conversation ever with yourself. Because in the end, that is what it is. A very, very long conversation with yourself. I don't know if everybody is prepared to do that. So 
I don't know. What, what do you think? Are you up to it? Well, that would be, in, in my opinion, the experience that I had in, in preparing for, for long rides. And I think that this is approach that I use now in whatever uh, the distance I'm going to ride in the future. But for the whole reason, overall, this is the way that I think it's best for, to prepare. So that will be all on my behalf for now. Thank you for listening. And until next time, ride safe. Thank you. It's Dr. Mel, the running, riding, writing veterinarian. Let's talk about rider fitness. First of all, there's some good news. You don't actually have to be an athlete to finish an endurance ride of 50 miles or more. It used to really irritate me when people told me this when I first started endurance riding. What do you mean that the horse is doing all the work? I would look at them and wonder when was the last time they got off the couch and walked around the block. Endurance rides were hard, and this was coming from someone who was running road marathons at the time. I felt like I knew what hard was and what it felt like, and endurance riding was definitely hard. What I've come to realize since then is that while endurance riding is hard, it's hard for a lot of different reasons, only one of which is physical. You really can go out and achieve endurance distances without being an athlete. This should come as really good news because it means that for those of us that are feeling a bit out of shape right now, we can still get on our horses and do really, really cool things. So why even be rider fit? It takes a lot of time, it can take a lot of money, and there's always a risk that you're gonna get injured anytime you participate in any athletic activity. So why be rider fit at all? I'm gonna make some arguments of why you should consider becoming an athletic partner to your horse. First of all, it's not because I want you to get off and run or hike beside your horse. Oh sure, that can be a really good idea and it gives both of you a break, but it's certainly not required to finish an endurance ride. Lots of people get off their horses and lots of people don't. And from a vet's perspective in the check, it's not always obvious who is doing what. So if you enjoy getting off your horse and hoofing it, then go for it. Otherwise, let's talk about some other reasons that you want to be an athlete when you're doing endurance riding. First off, even though endurance riding doesn't require an athlete, I'd be lying if I told you it wasn't easier to do the sport and maybe just a little bit more fun if you are. There is a physical nature to our sport. Being in as good a shape as possible will help you handle the rigors of the trail and you will be less tired and less sore at the end of it. For rides that are very hot or at altitude, fit people accumulate more quickly and also function better when they, even if they don't regularly train under those conditions. Even if you are in very, very good shape, you may still be surprised how hard the end of an endurance ride is. This is because I think that endurance riding is one of the most mental of all the endurance sports that I have tried so far. There's a huge mental fatigue and decision-making component when it comes to taking care of your horse and yourself for 50 or 100 miles. You're worrying about whether or not those couple of steps back there were lame. How sound do they feel now? When was the last time your horse ate and drank? How much did they eat and drink? And trying to discern whether or not you should be speeding up or slowing down 
a horse that can't talk to you and sometimes can do an excellent job of lying to you. All these little things add up and the toll of mental fatigue can be a physical one. Being fit won't eliminate this unique component to endurance riding. Being fit will allow more of your mental and physical reserves to go towards handling that aspect of endurance riding. The next reason that you should consider getting off your horse and doing some solo training is related. It is very difficult to learn how to take care of yourself and what you need for your fueling, hydration, and electrolytes while you're on horseback. Even as someone that knows exactly what I need because I happen to do endurance distances on foot, it still is extremely difficult for me to execute that plan while on horseback. It is next to impossible to learn the strategies in the first place on horseback. A significant portion of your mind is caught up in managing the horse through the ride and there's just not enough left over to take care of yourself unless you have practiced it away from the horse. I went over a thousand competition miles and many seasons of thinking that my calves hurt after races because I just wasn't strong enough. It took me exactly six weeks into training for an ultra to figure out it was an underlying electrolyte issue and I wasn't supplementing my electrolytes properly for my needs. You will figure things out faster and better when you are away from the horse and subjecting your body to similar stresses. You will figure out what nutrition strategy works best for you, how many milliliters of water you need to drink under various conditions ideally, and the amount of electrolyte supplementation that you will need. You have to figure this out for yourself because every body is different. Then when you are in the middle of a ride and you start to feel crappy, you have a place that you can start. You know that you need to drink X mils of water. How much have you drank? You don't have to guess whether you're feeling crappy because of water, electrolytes, or food because you will know what your body typically needs. The other benefit of being an athlete along with your horse is the safety net that it provides. If your horse is a little borderline and perhaps there is a subtle on and off lameness going on in its front legs and you are faced with a two mile downhill stretch, you can get off and run it and still be in good enough shape to get back on. If things really go badly for you on the trail and you are required to hike out over a significant period of distance, you will be more equipped to do that. There are all sorts of scenarios that one can imagine that can occur on the wilderness areas that our endurance rides take place in, that it doesn't take that much imagination to figure out why being in good shape could mean the difference between a bad day and an awful day. I think how you decide to become an athlete partner to your horse is less important than just doing it. It's cliche to say that you should do what you love because then you'll stick with it, but it's true. I've tried a lot of different things over the years and I've always been a runner at heart and I absolutely love running. So that is my choice of a cross training sport for endurance. But I don't think that there is any wrong answer. Anything that gets you moving and that you will do on a regular basis will probably do the trick. 
Maybe it's road biking or mountain biking. Maybe it's CrossFit or indoor rock climbing. Or maybe you're one of those crazy people who wants to hang off the side of mountains and do the real thing. I can make a strong argument for any of these sports. However, I think it is important to choose something that gets you off of your horse's back. It isn't true that the horse does all the work in endurance riding, but I don't think that you can do enough work on horseback to become an athlete partner to your horse if that's your goal. I am releasing a blog post with this same topic on my website, melnewton.com, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Do you agree or disagree? What are your favorite exercises for keeping fit and being an athlete partner to your horse? And if you are one of those people who just wants to ride endurance and doesn't want to bother with all this rider fit stuff, I just want to tell you that that's okay too. Ride well, condition well, and go have fun in an endurance ride. There are benefits to being rider fit, but the most important thing is that you get out on that trail and ride, go far, and have fun. Hello, everybody. My name is Johnny Terrell, and I am from Melbourne, Arkansas. That's a, it's a small town in the Ozarks in north-central Arkansas. It's really rugged, almost no flat ground. Uh, really, really green, though. It's, it's kind of, it's, this, this area really wants to be a jungle. It's like, you can, you try really hard to make land here, but it really wants to be a jungle. It's really good at that. And, um, right now the weather's been especially warm for like three and a half, almost four weeks. We've been bouncing up into the sixties. I mean, many of the days and, uh, definitely a little warmer than usual. It's, uh, it's about to come to an end. I think though, we're actually getting some bad weather coming in and it's gonna, gonna get a lot of rain and then it's gonna be really cold. So here lately, I've been really getting out to try and ride this weather. It's been super motivating. Um, right now, I'm riding a, uh, a, she's about to be seven, or she actually, she just turned seven, a seven-year-old Kiger Mustang, an Appaloosa Kiger Mustang. She was not born on the BLM. Her mom was. And then a lady down in Fort Smith, Arkansas, uh, bred her with this foundation, bred Appaloosa. And uh, she's, she's 13 three hands. I didn't. Honestly, I didn't want to buy this horse. My it was it ended up some reason being my wife's spirit animal. She told me, and she told me she had to have it. And uh, I went and started it, and I haven't ridden my other horses almost at all since I've gotten her. She's just she's just a pleasure to ride in the trails. She loves to cover ground. She's very forward, but she's very very sweet. She's just a sweet horse. I just l absolutely love riding her, and um, I don't have a lot of. Uh, endurance experience up to this point i've actually just started getting into some novice rides this year and um but i've i've, I've always known i wanted to do endurance I, I before i rode horses i did uh triathlon and and uh cross-country mountain biking i uh, was actually very competitive in that and as about five years ago now i bought my first horse and uh, i wanted to get straight into endurance right well Really what it came down to is about four years of learning proper horsemanship and horse care because I just bought horses to take care of. And it's, uh, I mean, I knew it was going to be hard, but it has definitely been a challenge. And so I've just started getting into it. And uh, this year I do plan on doing another novice ride and then a, 
um, the one of the competitor ride open rides and then getting into some LD and at the maybe a 50 that's like if I if I really reach my goal this year I'd like to finish 50 and um, yeah so that's my goals for this year and uh, and I was so excited when I was reading through Facebook I've always kind of wanted to give my give my two cents to the the podcast about what I do and uh, when I heard that she was wanting to do something and and have uh, maybe some equine therapy involved with it I was like yes and I, I, I messaged her and I was like uh, um, what I do actually is I um, I work in two different equine therapy settings um, and the the first setting I work with is it's strictly with kids uh, from um, all ages of kids up to 18 and uh, we work with a uh, any anywhere from ADHD to mild autism to severe autism cerebral palsy down syndrome we work with all of these kids and we work and we have uh, three different horses that we do it on and they're all just like awesome super desensitized horses they get basketballs thrown on their heads all the time and they we take them through streamers and pool noodles and throwing stuff all around them and uh but it's it's actually been wonderful being around such desensitized horses and and one of them's not even really that old it's this halfling or she's just really really sweet and uh but anyways yeah so we work with kids and in this there this setting it is called hippotherapy hippo is just greek for horse and um it's just the term that they use for an actual program that you go through to get training to do therapy and uh, this is used mostly for insurance reasons because in a hippotherapy setting or we uh we have to deal with um, all different kinds of insurances and they want to have everything calculated and the terminology the same and consistent and so we what we do is we use the horse very much so as a tool and we use it for several different results. And the, the first result that's really big is for postural challenges. Many of these kids, especially with Down syndrome and uh, cerebral palsy big time, they're not exactly flaccid, but they, you know, they have to be able to sit up in the middle. And so they'll have a side that they like to favor and getting them on a horse is really, really good for the rocking motion in their pelvis. We got a big uh, Missouri Foxtrotter. She has a really big, long walk with a lot of movement. And so it tends to really rock these kids' hips. And then when they do that, they're also receiving sensory input, and this input is very calming to these kids. What it does is it sends, uh, it fires neurons in, the, in their spine and deep in their muscles, sends uh, reactions back to the brain, and the brain releases a chemical called serotonin. Uh, serotonin is uh, it's what we call the master modulator chemical. It is the chemical that is used in all of the neurotransmitters in your body. You can't have too much of it, so you want lots of it, and because when you get these, when you get a large amount of this serotonin release your uh, your body releases endorphins and then you experience what's you know you can just call an a uh, kind of feeling good you're an emotional high you know and that's what we we try to use it as a tool also in that way for these kids because some of these kids will come in with ADHD and or, or uh, down syndrome especially they're just not, I mean they're not ready to work and so we'll use this this experience to get them ready to work and then they're super happy we do lots of games on the horses lots of find motor tasks and we'll even turn around and use the the hind end of the halflinger as a table and we'll let them shoot basketballs off the horse these wonderful desensitized horses and uh yeah so we do that all summer long and it's really it's actually a really nice break because other than that i work in daycares and clinics and so in the summertime to get out in the arena and these kids love it too you know they're all out of school and to, to come and we do a, a big camp too in the middle of the summer it's really enjoyable the other place that I, the other way that i work in equine therapy and this is actually would be therapeutic riding and so that's the difference between hippotherapy or it's it's used as a tool and then therapeutic riding 
where we actually focus on teaching people how to ride in horsemanship, me and my wife, we started a nonprofit organization, and we had just finished our first year. A nonprofit's called Horses and Heroes Transcend. Uh, we do totally free to the vet, veterans and first responders re- weekend retreats, three day, three to four day weekend retreats, um, where they get to come. And we have uh, we have a, we have our own property down here that uh, is really really remote. It's actually super super remote. <laughs> like no cell service, way down a forest road, and you get there and you're totally isolated, and it's very beautiful down there. And uh, we teach them horsemanship, a couple different settings. We do it in the round pen, and then we also go on long horseback rides. And uh, we, you know, we use the horses in many different ways with veterans. But it's Horses and Heroes Transcend. In the Transcend aspect, we do have a lot of mindfulness and meditative type exercises where we really like to help them um, pinpoint two things. One is what is truly important to them. I help them identify self-limiting beliefs that they have placed on themselves that nobody else has placed on them that they have created and that they didn't they don't know it controls them and so we really like to at the very least they leave with those two things what's truly important to them and what self-limiting beliefs they have that is keeping them from being the best they can be in the areas that are most important and uh, we use the horses and really to break down those those self-limiting beliefs i mean to get in there and uh, to spend that much time with the horse. And then, of course, it's the same as kids. I mean, adults don't need to quit. They don't need to, they don't stop needing that serotonin. They don't stop needing the endorphins uh, to be in their system to make them feel good. Many people kind of start slacking off and they notice when they, when they stop doing physical activity, when they get older, they really start getting sad. And then they don't even know why they're having like a midlife crisis or something. It's like, well, are you still doing, are you still active? Because you need to be, <laughs> like we all still need to be active. You know, on top of all that, you know, just getting them on the horse and boosting their confidence. A lot of these guys, we had a, we have a guy with a, he's an amputee and for him to get up on a horse, he's a tall horse too actually, to, he mounts the horse by himself and he can go on a four hour ride and he, he looks like a champ the whole time. And for this guy to be smiling up on a mountaintop on a horse, it doesn't get much better than that for me. There's a lot of different people that benefit from this. We've had people coming in from um, Missouri and Kentucky and Oklahoma. We have some people coming down from Nebraska. But I mean, and although we do really focus on locals more so, because what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to keep locals coming back that come back as mentors for uh, other people that we bring in from out of state. And um, these mentors, I'm really trying to keep motivated and get want to learn horsemanship enough so that we I actually can put a crew together and I can get them to go do some competitive trail rides and some endurance events. And uh, because I know how much it helps me to train for something and have something to look forward to and to keep you engaged. And um, I'm really working hard to get a crew together that we can all go together. And um, that's, that's actually really, I mean, as, along with doing some rides personally, really one of my biggest goals is to get a group and we do have a group together but we're just not we're we're not quite there yet we're there they're ready to go but that's that's the goal this year is to be at that level and uh, that has probably been one of the most rewarding things is creating that uh the comradeship here locally that we can all get together and train together and and help boost each other up it's uh definitely been one of the most rewarding experiences and um i'm super grateful to have this opportunity and uh i'm Thankful for this podcast and everyone, all the listeners that support it. And I hope you all have enjoyed this and uh, 
Yeah, see you on the trails. Hi guys, this is Chris and I'm sitting down for an interview. I promised you guys more interviews this year. And I'm with Wendy Konachek of Horsepower Healing Center in Eagle, Wisconsin. And she is going to be the beneficiary of the War Horse Endurance Ride this year. So the money that we're raising is going to go towards her organization. And later on, we'll be talking with one of her volunteers out at Horsepower and getting her point of view on horse therapy. So as you know, this episode is about rider health. And Wendy is going to share with us some of the aspects of therapy and some of the scientific part of it about why it works. So enlighten us, Wendy. Okay, well, what I can say about uh, therapeutic riding is one of the benefits that it has is the movement of the horse mimics the movement of a walking person. So a lot of our students in, that are in wheelchairs or don't have, have physical limitations are really benefited by the movement of the horse. Another aspect of the horse that they provide is the warmth of their body helps loosen up the muscles. So a lot of times we'll have a student get on, they're very tight, their legs are tight, and as the lesson progresses, their legs relax. When they get off of the horse, there's an improved movement in walking, their motor skills, a lot of things are benefited that way. Another aspect of therapeutic riding for our students is the social aspect, where they get to be out in the ring, they're riding with other students. We have the we have two people on either side usually. They're called sidewalkers. Someone's leading the horse. So they're interacting with a lot of people, which sometimes some of our students, they don't have the social interaction. They're mm -hmm. just sitting in their chairs because they've now they're older. They're not in school anymore. So coming to the farm is the highlight of their week. And then as depending on the student, we try what we work on for therapeutic riding is to increase their horsemanship skills. So some of our students have started out, as I described, with sidewalkers and have now become independent riders in the Social aspect of that is just great for them, that they feel the empowerment of the horse and they're able to be confident in other areas of their life. Um, one thing we also do with our students is do um, take them to horse shows if they're able to go and they can handle mm. that situation. And that's a whole other thing that they really enjoy is the competition and going out there. And they do realize that they're just like everybody else. That, yeah. And so what we've found from some of our parents is the students that are out there doing things like competing at horse shows, they have their sibling that's in football or baseball oh, yeah. or whatever, and now they can say, yeah, yeah, I go to the horse show. I compete just like you. So it's a, it's a really neat aspect, and it's not that I'm trying to force them to compete for a ribbon. It's just a mm -hmm. goal that they can work towards. Well, it's um, like a personal milestone if you say, like, even... Um, a lot of these riders that might be listening, hopefully, mm -hmm. you, you were at the cafe meetup with me, so hopefully if they're listening, their goal this year might be just to get to the clinic, mm -hmm. to learn a little bit about the sport, and then they don't have to win. Once they finish that 10-mile ride, they're going to feel on top of the world, yeah. and then their next goal might be something else. But I think you haven't heard this yet because it's earlier <laughs> in this episode, but I literally just, in the part that I added for myself, said that having that goal-striving mechanism that we all have picks up your spirit. It gives you something to strive for, and I think that's great that you add horse showing in there. So mm -hmm. uh, if you do you deal with any kids with trauma and you deal with the veterans with trauma and how do horses play into that role? Uh, we do. We, we deal with both aspects for children and veterans with trauma. Uh, the horses, what we have noticed 
is how much that they give back to that. A lot of times the student won't even say to us, <clears throat> you know, we do involve like grooming and brushing the horse and things, and they won't talk about what's going on with them. Mm -hmm. They're kind of closed and shut down. And when they realize that the horse is just there and it's something that's not judging them and that mm -hmm. and they just start to blossom over. And we've had students who were nonverbal and started to speak after they were. And then we've also had veterans who talk about just coming out and leaving everything behind mm -hmm. that they can just be on that horse out in nature riding and having a good time with other people and not thinking about some of the trauma that they were exposed to. And that's why I was really drawn to your program, because it's something that easily endurance sport or you can take it for granted. You you have something, you're sitting on that horse, you are privileged to be doing that. And then your program is going to help give that freedom to somebody else and maybe to somebody who's fought for our own freedom and served. Yes. And I mean, and that is part of the reason that I came up with doing the Horses for Heroes program for us is like, I did not, I mean, my father is a veteran, but he was not in combat, mm -hmm. but I wanted to give something back to the community. And that's why we come up with our veterans programs and things, because I do believe what people are doing for us and protecting our freedom is very important to remember. And the aspect that their family members are behind here mm -hmm. and they need the support and that. So we also do things for the family members that, to come out and, the, and ride and military kids day at the farm. Mm -hmm. and that. So somebody doesn't have to be deployed to be part of your program or like mm -hmm. say their child. So if somebody has served in the military and they have a 10-year-old daughter and they would like her to have lessons. It isn't necessarily that something negative has to have happened. You're just giving back in correct. general, yeah, which is correct. a beautiful thing. Yes. We do offer discounted lessons for the family members. Mm -hmm. and, and that even includes like, you know, sometimes there's grandparents that are taking care of the children and there isn't another spouse or something. So it's definitely the whole family we want to heal. And that's a future program that we want to expand on when we have, I'm sorry, I'm going off. I know you edit this, but <laughs> when we have our, our new barn, that is something that I really want to develop is where our center will be somewhere the whole family could come on a day where the veteran could no, be riding. I, I want and, you to tell me about that because I was going to mention about if you had yeah. an arena because part of the purpose of this ride is to bring awareness to the veterans mm -hmm. and to your program. And you don't have an indoor. You, mm -hmm. You're in Wisconsin <laughs> and you're operating without an indoor. Yes, and that and that has become a challenge for us mm -hmm. with the seasonal weather and even as we talked about conditioning horses. Started to mention was that the future plan is to build an all-encompassing barn with an arena with classrooms, so we're able to offer different opportunities. And I would like to do for the veterans is where a certain day they could come as the whole family. You could have your veteran could be riding, the children could be involved in a different activity, the spouse or caregiver could be doing an activity or doing a group uh, talk or activity themselves. It's mm -hmm. just, it's another area that I really want to help because it, it's just so needed for our veterans and their families. It is. So you could more than double, I think, what you're doing if oh, you've got enough yes. donations. Yes. And I, I do have show notes at the end of the podcast, and I will definitely put a link to your page mm -hmm. at the end. The last part, because this affected my life, I used mm -hmm. to be a foster mom, and we adopted three. But the thing that I read that was really interesting about equine therapy was that the horses four beat walk, they had studied, it matched completely a mother rocking their child. And they mm -hmm. studied mothers and how they rocked their children and how many beats per minute across the nations. 
and everywhere of every language, it was the same rhythm as a horse's walk. So there is an aspect there of healing in the brain because it goes back and it fosters that connection in the brain that might have not been made or needs to be repaired, whether it's with trauma or just didn't happen. Sometimes with mm-hmm. kids that have been neglected. Yes, that is very correct. Well, I will not torture you anymore. <laughs> I will say thank you, and then we'll go on to torturing Allie next. Thank you for this opportunity for us in Horsepower Healing Center. You're welcome. Allie, it's your turn, Allie Chase. And so you're a veteran who goes out to Horsepower Healing Center. But first, before we get into that, could you tell us which branch of the service did you serve? I was in the Army. In the Army? And also in the Army Reserve. And what was your MOS? I was a 97 Echo, which used to be a 96 Charlie. I was interpreter, translator, interrogator, and Russian linguist in military intelligence. So you're way smarter than me because I was a 88 Mike. I was an 88 Mike and uh, drove a truck. So, so you're far, far ahead of me in intelligence. So can you tell me a little bit about how you found horsepower? And what it means to you? Oh, I learned about horsepower because Wendy's mother always used the library, and she always talked about the horses they had and about the nonprofit they were going to have and about her daughter. Well, I I heard about it for such a long time, and then I thought, I think I'd like to do this Mm -hmm. or be involved in this, Mm -hmm. except that I was terrified of horses. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. I should have said, we're in the Eagle Wisconsin Library, so thank you for letting us come in here and use it, and I love libraries. People, go to your library, visit your library. How long have you been going out there? Did she get your curiosity out? Um, I started taking lessons in May 2010. I wanted it off my bucket list. (laughs) I was going to be not so afraid of Mm -hmm. horses, but I thought I should take lessons. How did you get over that fear? Uh, Wendy introduced me to a sweet morab, and the first thing I learned was how to groom the horse, how to give the horse a treat, how you walk, and how you don't walk around a horse. And the first lesson I had, Wendy held the lead rope. But after that, I learned. I did fine. So what was the horse's name? Tahita. Tahita. And so... Did he just win you, her? She. She. So did she just win you over with her personality oh. and something that just about her, she, you knew she wasn't going to bother you? Or oh, her? I rode Chahita for about four years, oh, and wow. she stole my heart. Oh, she did. Morabs will do that. That's quite the combination. <laughs> Wendy's still here, so we'll just give her a shout out. You know, you your barn is full of endurance potential. I know they have jobs, but I'm just saying morabs are like the thing for endurance. What is it about going out there that enriches your life? Well, I'm part of the uh, Horses for Heroes program, and so I get to um, not only take discounted lessons, but I also participate in a group lesson, which is free on Thursday mm-hmm. nights. And I've been doing that since the program's inception. I, uh, I get to meet other veterans, and it's always easy to meet them. It's, not, it's always like, hi, where were you stationed? You don't have to go through as much to meet each other and be friends. We're already friends. We're bonded already. Um, and we share, you know, riding horses and everybody's at a different place. You know, some people are just starting. Some people may have done it before, but, you know, we all can do it together. It's something mm-hmm. we can do together. You know, I love being out and seeing the sunset and oh, being yeah. on top of a horse. And having, that is the thing. You're speaking to the right crowd. They're yeah. all out there going, amen, sister. You know it. 
point. <laughs> but I've learned all kinds of, you know, I learned a lot of things through that. I learned how to do groundwork with a horse, mm-hmm. and there's tests that I do sometimes or I compete doing that groundwork. Mm-hmm. Um, I show, when I show at a show, then I do it in the Horses for Heroes classes, and I get mm-hmm. to compete against other veterans. And then when we're just in the group lesson, we get to learn, um, like, equestrian drill patterns. and Those are fun. A little bit, you know, more horsemanship, mm-hmm. and we get to improve, and that's important too. So it sounds like the social aspect and the connection of group lesson is a valuable thing. But I'm going to make a plug here for us because we're trying to raise people who would be willing to sponsor a veteran. I know Wendy is very generous, and you you get those group lessons, but we also said we don't have an indoor. So if you could double up on your lessons and get some private lessons, you know, maybe we could con you into doing an endurance ride, you know, but that would, that would just enhance your experience. Yes. If you could get some, somebody to sponsor you or another veteran as private lessons. This is a way, very unique way that horse people can thank somebody who loves horses. Are you going to volunteer or be at War Horse? I hope to be there. (laughs) I, I'm sure I'll be, I might be giving out water. I was just going to say it's going to be hot. We'll make sure we have a lot of water there. Yeah, Binky and I are looking forward to making it something interesting. We're going to maybe put up some lights and have some music, and we have a potluck and a campfire. It's going to be a good time. The other charity that we're doing is is a horse rescue. So we're trying, you know, there were over 8 million horses killed in World War One, and obviously can't help those horses, but we can help horses that are around today get matched up with a home. So we're, we're going to do both, help the horses and help the veterans and thank them and honor both. Thank you for being here. And um, the last question I have for you is, what is the name of the horse you work with now? Is it the same one? Oh, TC Star Dancer mm-hmm. and Madison. Okay. Madison is an Arab. She's mm-hmm. very sweet. She has a lot of spunk. I do <laughs> groundwork with her, and this will be my fourth summer, I think, that I work with her and do groundwork. And then... I, I ride TC Star Dancer, Star's mm-hmm. Pentabian. Mm-hmm. Oh, so and he's he's a big boy. He's not the biggest, but he's a pretty big boy, and he's sweet. So is he black and white? <laughs> no, he's, he's solid. So, he's solid. That's stinker. You know what? Did you know Grace <laughs> is out of a a paint mare? No. <laughs> yeah, and she's solid too. He, but he, I still love her. Yeah, I learned Western dressage with him, and then Ooh. I also do walk trot. Usually in the mm-hmm. um, summer show, I compete in the Bob Hope 40 and over walk track class, mm-hmm. and I really enjoy that. So, Allie, I understand you're not just there to get lessons. You're also a sidewalker. You went through the training to become a volunteer. So how long have you been volunteering at Horsepower? I went through the volunteer training in the summer of 2010, and in April of 2011, I started doing barn chores and becoming um, a year-round volunteer. That's amazing. Even in the winter, even in the um, yes, in forty below weather and when the water's been frozen, yes. <laughs> I know some but, people don't like it. They like sleek horses. I love fat fuzzy horses. I don't know. No, why. there's a lot of volunteer opportunities, mm-hmm. and really, as much time as I wanted to put into it, I could get out of it. Um, I I get so much more out of it, mm-hmm. really, than what I put into it. But I do things like weed eating, mm-hmm. helping with the gardening. Sidewalking for a young man with autism, 
helping with special events, so barn chores. So you're kind of like Wendy. Wendy and I have had a phone conversation, and we both think maybe we're sick or something. But <laughs> but we really like to clean stalls. Are you one of those people? It's very therapeutic to me just to be out mm. there cleaning stalls and then see a clean stall with fresh hay and water and. It's a joy in my life. I think there's nowhere better to be, and it's very rewarding to be a volunteer for Horsepower Healing Center. Mm -hmm. I believe in the mission very strongly. We're in good company because, you know, Jesus was born in a stable. So that's what I tell people. If they say I'm out in my barn too much, I'm like, you know... God chose to have his son in a stable. So it's okay for me to hang out in a barn. Nope. There's nothing better than watching the uh, the kids with oh, the yeah. special needs and how important it is for them and their mm-hmm. smiles. So for seven years, you sidewalked. I did. Seven summers. Seven summers. That's awesome. I bet you get your steps in. So, so are you saying you guys can still use volunteers if there's somebody listening that's in the area? Do you, or uh, yes, there's always um, room for volunteers. So you would train them up, and they, there is volunteer training, and there's paperwork to be a volunteer. Anybody Cause, can because we just want them to be sure they're not just going to show up and grab a shovel. They have to go through some type of yes. training first. They can help with events with or no horse Or office experience. work or marketing or press releases. There's a wide variety of things that need to be done. So tell me some more about Kettle Moraine Equine Lions Club that was founded last year uh, and that you're a member. I'm a member of Formed Lion Group, which is Kettle Moraine Equine Lions Club. And their mission is to support Horsepower Healing Center. I just think that's a fascinating thing that people might be listening to this in Arizona or California, and they might not even know. They might be part of a Lions Club, and they might not even know that they could have one that had an equine focus. So Kettle Marine is the first specialty Lions Club that has an equine therapy focus. Yes. Good. Because I know that there is a large community in the lacrosse area. I was talking to Jen Moore, and she said that area is a big veterans focus, and equine therapy is part of it. So maybe somebody listening, or Jen, then maybe that's something they could do is start a specialty chapter that has an equine therapy focus. So good, good things. I, I have good feeling about this uh, episode and all the connections that can be possibly made. Well, thank you for opening your library to me and giving me your time and for surfing. I appreciate it. Thank you. We enjoyed having you along for the ride. Endurance Horse Podcast is where you get to share your adventures of riding good horses through beautiful country. Many stresses in life are washed away by a good gallop, a steady trot, or by simply saddling up your favourite horse for an easy ride. Remember, every mile a memory. To share your story on Endurance Horse Podcast, send an email to endurancehorsepodcast at gmail.com.